the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 7 that he who is forgiven much, loves much. He who is forgiven little, loves little. In that statement, we find the very workings and foundation of mercy. And that is what we are exploring next, right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. Online at reformedheritage.org, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church right here in San Jose. Welcome to our time together today as we turn our attention once again to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're continuing our little mini-series within our greater series of Romans, simply entitled God's Mercy, the Best Motive for Consecration. You want to love much? You want to be consecrated to the Lord, wholly given over? Then begin to realize and understand just how much you've actually been forgiven. We invite you to join us as we explore this paradigm together as the Apostle Paul lays it out here in Romans 12. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Questions we should never ask. Make a list of these. Questions you should never ask are, What do I want to do today? You should never ask what or how do I want to spend my time or what will make me happy or what will satisfy my desire for this or for that, like my desire for attention. What will make me popular? What will people, what will get people to like me? Never ask those questions. These are the questions that plunge the whole world into ruin because Adam and Eve were already asking them in their minds, what do we want? What seems to be best to us in this particular situation? The moment we start to say, me, I, mind, what do I feel? Oh, bad things. Our only question should be this. Only one question. What will please my God and Savior today? That is the only question. That is what present means. What will please my God and Savior today? What will please Him in my work? What about my attitude? What about how I spend the time that belongs to him that he has given to me? What about how I relate to my spouse? What about how I relate to my parents? The only question in light of God's mercy is, what would you have me do, O God? What will please you, my God and my Savior? And of course, this leads us to, as we will see in verse 2 in a couple of weeks, to his word. That is the only place we learn what pleases God. 
You see, mercy makes us want to be consecrated to God. I've been redeemed at a great price after all. Now, what follows in the last few minutes today is simply going to be some applications of this. Notice first, since Paul uses the language of persuasion, I beseech you, I beg you, I urge you, I come alongside you and invite you to do this or that. He does not assume we are going to be able to overcome easily the flesh, the world, or the devil, and to devote ourselves to God. The flesh always fights back. I'm sure if you've been a Christian for many years that you've heard a few sermons on consecration. I'm sure you have said, okay, I've decided now I'm going to follow Jesus, and this time I mean it. Then over time, all falls apart. Yeah, you're still a Christian, but overcoming is so difficult, it just seems to peter out. Well, why? Why does the gospel love that first filled our hearts sometimes grow weak? Well, let me mention a few things. One, we oftentimes don't feed that love by seeking God and his word. Love has to be fed. Let's say you went on your honeymoon with your new wife and you're all lovey-dovey and it was marital bliss with constantly being together. But then you come home. She goes to her bedroom and you go to your office and you don't speak for six months. Are you going to come out and say, oh, honey, my dear loved one? No. Why? Because you have got to feed that love. And the way we as Christians feed love for God is that we seek him. We continue to seek his mercy. Two, we often quench God's love in a sense of mercy by worldliness. Nothing will quench our sense of wonderment at God's mercy as this world, at least the sinful parts of it. Some people stay up late for frivolous purposes, so it's impossible to see God early. And faith just crumbles throughout the day under the weight of being without its lover. That is what can happen to our faith. Others do it by forming worldly associations. There are a lot of nice people in our areas who attend religious services every now and then. But they're not consecrated to God. So they make poor, dangerous friends as God's people. Beloved, that's why the Bible is always warning. Bad company corrupts good morals. So be careful. Don't fellowship with the world. Then, of course, we can quench love and our sense of wonderment at God's mercy by getting sucked into the entertainment vortex. And some aspects of social networking also quench God's love in our hearts and in our sense of mercy because they train us to promote and please ourselves rather than promote and please God. In our quiet moments, we've got to get back to this. 
Maybe God created us so that when the sun goes down, we go to bed. It's a funny thing. We try to get around that. We've forgotten that in our pressing moments when there is no, okay, it's time for a movie. I've got to have a movie. I've got to watch something. How about that series to catch up on? Wait a minute. Ask yourself, who is precious to us? Are God's thoughts precious to us? Shouldn't we be seeking Him? I mean, we're not going to grow in a sense of mercy and the wonderment of it if we're not studying it. That, what has God done for us? If we spend all our time thinking, I've got to be entertained. I've got to have parties. I've got to have friends. I've got to be where my people are. If I'm not where they are, I don't ever, I, I, I know every word that every one of my group has uttered, then my life will just come crumbling down. Well, God is not your God, if your friends are. Of course, it's the same thing that could be true of us when we're older and we have hobbies and sports or just me time, whatever it may be. There's a long list of things that if we yield to them, we will quench the wonderment of God's mercy, which is the engine behind obedience and consecration to Him. So if you want to be motivated by mercy, you need to think on how much the Lord has forgiven you and how pitiable He has treated you. Let's turn to one passage in closing. Luke 7 through 50. Please listen carefully. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Now understand here, this man was thinking this, but Jesus understood what he was thinking. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I have come in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. 
For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I want to draw your attention to verse 47. Jesus isn't saying that some some are forgiven much and some are forgiven little. That is not his point here. His point here is that some people think they are forgiven of little or they they love as if they were forgiven little. There is no one in the world who should be in a position here of the Pharisee and say, but I'm a good person. I mean, I do the outward things I'm supposed to do. And I'm not guilty of prostitution or fraud or anything serious like that. I'm okay. Well, we're all in the position of the prostitute, my friends. Every single one of us. So Jesus said later at another occasion like this, that these kinds of things will be told at their memorial. Because this shows where a real sense of gospel mercy leads us to a sense of having been forgiven, which will make you love much. Just take one simple truth. A sense of having been forgiven will make you Love much. So if your love is weak, so is your sense of having been forgiven much. A sense of just being forgiven a little. But I've been a good person. I've been a covenant child all my life. I have only been intimate with my spouse. I've never cheated on anyone. I'm a good person. Be careful. Oh, you may be a good person, but if you are, why are you good? It is because God made you good, His mercy. So what are you to do with that goodness? Oh, you're to praise Him for it. Be humbled by His mercy all the more. And even if you've been a Christian 20 to 60 years And God has been with you all that time. Break open the ointment. Pour it on the feet of Jesus. Recognize, Lord, everything good in me is because you put it there. There is nothing I can do that would be too abase. This woman was doing this in front of everyone in a culture where someone who practiced her former profession was totally looked down upon. You didn't show your face in public. And she comes to the house of the Pharisee and says, Jesus, all I want to do is kiss your feet and cry on you because I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And your sacrifice has purged me of my sins. This is the spirit that must fill every believer's heart. And it will fill every believer's heart at some level. 
There are no social classes in the Christian faith. This is what mercy is. This is what the gospel does to us. If we turn to the Lord in sorrow and repentance, God moved us to do so. And he forgives us. Are we trying to walk with him more carefully than we have in the past? He has given the grace to do so. Think of the unbelieving life you lived. You were saved out of that. Think of all the mercy that God gave you, even when you were an unbeliever and his enemy and living in whatever sin you were living in. And God withheld his judgment because he knew this is my child and I am going to bring him home to me and I will not put my wrath on his head. Think of the countless expressions of daily pity we were given from the Lord. He never lays on us more than we can bear because he's always carrying us and our burdens. Think of the way that he causes every single thing that has ever happened to you to work together for your good and his glory. Oh, think of his mercy. Daily bread, are you clothed? I don't see anyone in here naked today, and I certainly don't see any of us starving. Therefore, everyone here has ample reason to sing and praise and obey God all their days. If he hasn't done anything else, think of all the sorrows the Lord Jesus passed through as the man of sorrows so that, we could, so that he could sympathize with us when we're crying. Mercy, think of the way our Father always looks upon us with a pitying eye, pitying us in our weakness. Psalm 13, he remembers that we are dust. He pardons all our iniquities. He casts them behind his back. Brothers and sisters, mercy surrounds us. It gives us life in Jesus. It surrounds us now. It saved us in the past and it secures us for the future. If you are the vilest offender that God has ever that God has ever that has ever lived, God has never for one second, at least not yet, treated you as you deserve. And if you are his child, he has given you so many things you don't deserve. Grace, mercy, peace, righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we supposed to do? If you are a Christian, delight in God's mercy. Think about God's mercy. Let God's mercy humble you again and motivate you to do those hard things that there are in your life. You know, we don't like to do them. We're weak. Jesus cried over areas where he had to give obedience and it was difficult for him. So we're going to cry too. Mercy. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercy of God. Do you know what God is calling every single one of us to do today? I think about this more than anything else in my life. It is to take our filthy hands off our lives because we do not have our own life. 
You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And that is where we start to get miserable and confused as Christians when we start to creep back over to the sin and say, well, I'll take that one back. I'm going to claim this one for myself. I'm going to hold out a little area over here and everything gets confused. And we start losing hope and we start despairing. Well, we better pray. God holds on to us. Because Judas tried to do that one time and he hung himself and he went to hell. But God's mercy helped Peter back, remember? So you better seek God's mercy. Today the Lord invites you to respond to his mercy. To be consecrated to his glory and say, Lord, I want to obey you. You fill in the blank where your sinning is prominent. Where does God want you? You know that at some level, your Christian discipleship depends upon obedience right where you are. This is the idol you're sitting on, like Rebecca in the tent. Maybe it's what my friends think about me. Maybe it's my money situation. Maybe it's my secret lust. Well, this is the Waterloo. And if I do not either forsake this or do this, then I may be lost. Because as it is often said, men can go to hell for the love of one sin. So what is the motivation to forsake it? It is mercy. What God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think on these things? Oh do brethren. I try to think more on them myself. I try to remind myself this is the most important thing. However much progress I may make in the Christian life, there is one thing that just dominates everything else. And that is that happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. It is the happiest day. But it is also the power behind godliness and obedience. You can be the rigorous Christian ethicist in the world. And if you have no sense of mercy, you will have no power to obey and no joy in it and no love in it. Ask the Lord, Lord, show me your mercy again. Show me how great your mercy is to those who fear you. Read through those portions of scripture that talk of mercy. The Psalms are full of it. Mercy. Praise God for his mercy. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the, your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We praise you especially for your mercy to us. I really have no idea how merciful you have been to me, and I'm sure most here don't either. I can't even fathom it, even for the sins I do remember. Oh, and the times I have cried out to you and you heard and you forgave. It is just overwhelming that you, the holy, holy, holy God, would not only lay all our sins on the back of your son 
and would crush him instead of cursing us. But then you would treat us if we never sinned at all and forgive us and make us cleanse and walk with us and reconcile us to yourself. Truly, your mercy is wonderful. Help us to remember these things so our heart's desire is to please and serve you with abounding joy. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. The ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402. 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program. As this is a listener-supported ministry, we're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.